I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome to the first RHS gardening podcast of 2017. Here at the Royal Horticultural Society, we're passionate about gardens, gardening and all things green. Each episode of our fortnightly podcast is packed with practical seasonal advice, features and interviews with people who share a passion for plants. We cover all aspects of horticulture, from growing houseplants to broccoli, black spot on roses, to the challenges of creating lush green spaces in small urban plots. So it doesn't matter whether you're a horticultural veteran or a novice. In our podcast, there's something to interest everyone who loves gardens. My name's Jenny Bowden. I'm one of the team of horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up later... Our expert advisors tackle your troubling gardening questions. But first, as is traditional at the beginning of the year, it's time to reflect on the past and look forward to the months ahead. And what a year 2017 promises to be here at Wisley. The garden is undergoing a radical multi-million pound transformation. New plants, new garden displays and new buildings for education and leisure. So much more for visitors to enjoy and be inspired by. Here's garden curator Matthew Pottage to tell us more about the exciting plans for the year ahead. So I'm Matthew Pottage and I'm the curator of Wisley Garden. If you've been to the garden, you may have walked down to Seven Acres and uh, collapsed with shock horror to see the grass borders have gone. That is part of the development for the new entrance. So the new cherry colonnade that everyone will walk through, a massive long avenue of flowering cherries, will be coming down to this area. The reason why we've ploughed ahead and moved these is we wanted to lift a lot of this in the autumn when the soil was still warm. Uh, This area does tend to get quite wet and we didn't really want to be ploughing this up in midwinter. So they've been lifted, they've been healed in in a temporary holding area and some of them will be cleaned up because they did have some bindweed in them. They'll be split up, they'll be potted and they'll be started again and they will go into our Howard's Field area, the Heather Garden, when we're looking to redevelop that through the next two years. So loads of development there. The irises that were in the grass borders have already been replanted on the glasshouse landscape and a lot of the agapanthus have gone to Battleston Hill. So we're in the process of just writing some more detailed signage to go out here now. But please do not worry or be dismayed. You know, the grasses haven't gone into the compost. We're not, you know, not going to do grasses again. But uh, the first thing you 
see when you walk in couldn't have been a big grass border you know it would have been like a big wall so that development's kicking off uh you know you if you've visited us again you may have noticed trenches you may have noticed some areas closed off we're having to do a lot of the the non-sexy grotty infrastructure work unfortunately before the buildings go up uh, before the new welcome building goes in so there are things like ducts for it cabling there's foul water drainage new electric cabling so you know it's just one of those things that needs to happen this is part of our key investment program it's our uh, some 60 million pounds that's been spent at wisley specifically and it's to give us a new welcome experience the new welcome building with new improved catering and shop facilities if you've been to Wisley on a busy day you'll know how crowded it is how difficult it is to maybe get a table in the catering outlets uh, you don't feel like you can stop and browse in the bookshop because you just you know there's so little space in there so part of it is to just give that feeling that you can come to Wisley on a busy day and it's still going to be a lovely experience you know we don't want people to think oh it's going to be so busy at Wisley today so first of all for the visitor experience and then to increase our retail space you know it will be the biggest and best plant center in the uk there's no doubt about that and you know that does help bring in our our money for our charitable work you know we are a charity we're not government funded and that side of the business is very important so uh, that's very much there but with those infrastructure works they've also had some impact on the garden itself the seven acres path around the winter walk behind the lake we, we needed to get a gas line from the Glasshouse Cafe to the entrance area. So that path was a bit of a mess. So we took the opportunity to put the gas main straight down the middle of the path. You may see it and think, oh my goodness, they've put down a black tar path. And that's what it is for the minute. But when the weather starts to warm up in the spring, we will roll a golden grit into that. So it will match the other big golden paths in the garden. And also, we will finish the rest of the seven acre paths in the spring too. You'll see that most of them are done, but some of them aren't. Uh, but we didn't want to keep it closed off for the winter walk, which is now starting to come into its own. So please bear with us on the paths on seven acres. They'll be finished in March 2017. So when you come and see that lovely new path around the back of the lake on seven acres, you'll also notice some more winter walk planting. Uh, we're almost in the final stages now. That's been quite a long phased out project, the winter walk development. And a couple of more beds have been replanted, stripped out, refreshed. Uh, the team have gone crazy with Edgeworthias. They love Edgeworthias and you know the scent they give is like nothing else. So it's a small cluster of yellow flowers. They normally open in January time after Christmas on bare stems and the scent is like nothing else. And we do have one or two near the laboratory building. We know the visitors love them. They are absolute gems. And I'll leave it as a surprise. Go and see how many we've planted. Uh, they're intermingled with other winter interest things. It's not just a, a big boring mass planting, but uh, yeah, they're very, very exciting. Matthew Pottage, curator of the garden here at Wisley. You can find more information about the exciting plans for the new development at Wisley at rhs.org.uk forward slash future. And RHS members can read regular progress updates every month in The Garden magazine, beginning in this month's. You're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, it's time to open your post bag of gardening questions. One of the many advantages to being an RHS member is that you can send your gardening queries to our expert advice team via phone, post or email at any time of year. Or even ask us in person by visiting the advice desks at RHS shows and events and we'll try our best to solve your problems. 
So let's join my colleagues to discuss some of the first questions of 2017. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt from the RHS Gardening Advice team here at WISD. Today I'm joined by Guy Barter Hello. and Jenny Bowden. Hello. Essans has written in, should we pick up fallen apples and pears or can they be left to compost as we would with other trees and bushes where they're basically just around the bottom? Uh, many have fallen in the veggie patch, do they need to be removed? Um, we've already added many to the compost bins. So quite a few things that they're trying with the pears, but... Can they be left around or should they be taken up and something better done with them? What do you think, Guy? I think in general terms, it's always better to pick up fallen apples and pears because they could be carrying pests and diseases that will infect the trees next year. And if you consign them to a compost bin, um, they'll soon rot down. Many people suggest that apples and pears are too acid to rot, but I think that's rubbish. Um, these are organic acids with apples and pears that soon break down naturally. However, having said that, I would say that um, birds are said to rather relish feeding on fallen apples and pears, which can often be full of maggots and things. So if you have somewhere where you can leave at least some fallen fruits for the birds to, to peck at, well away from your fruiting trees, ideally, then that would certainly be a good idea. Jenny, the um, apples and pears are obviously going to be quite wet in the compost heap what could they add to that to try and even yeah out the you, mix? you need to have a really good uh, good mix ideally 50 50 of the the softer materials like indeed these these fallen apples or pears but uh if you're a bit short of woody material, any woody material is good. So shredded prunings, uh, you can even use shredded paper from uh, from in the house if you if you shred your important documents. That's a, a very good addition to the compost. Mix it all well in. Um, insides of kitchen rolls and loo rolls, anything else. It's just sort of chewy bits, I call it, uh, which, which balances out all the sogginess uh, that you can get with uh, kitchen waste and if things like fallen apples and pears. So it's getting that balance of ideally about 50-50. I would just mention that this season, of course, there's no shortage of fallen leaves and yeah. mixing them into the compost would add that carbon-rich, mm. dryish material. Mm. Absolutely. We've got an email here from Dorothy Nicholson in Raynham, who's also sent us a photograph to go with her inquiry. It's about an African violet, which she's grown from a cutting. Uh, the plant seems to have done pretty well, and it is in flower, but the outside leaves they're not dying but they look very very limey well actually yellow <laughs> in color and uh, she's wondering what might have gone wrong uh, has it outgrown its pot has it been overwatered, or is it something else uh, she waters it from the bottom which is always suggested and uh, but it, it does have a, a tray underneath it so uh, what do we think about that the the central part looks in tip-top condition it's just uh, around the edges I don't think she's done a half bad with this. No, it looks pretty good. I, I think there's this element of trying to get it um, into better condition. But I think it points up for us all who are growing um, African violets, um, how really to try and sort of keep them in tip-top condition. And lost that is getting the watering right, um, because the classic is they get too wet and then they all go limp. Um, and then you want to water it more because it looks like it needs water. But actually what you've done is rot the roots. So it's struggling to take up the water and get it to the leaves. 
this is not that bad, but um, there's a little tray underneath. And what I generally do is push my finger to the top of the compost. As soon as that starts to feel dryish, I put some water in the bottom and let it soak up and then not wash it again until it starts to feel dryish. Um, it'll quite happily cope with a little bit with that wet and dry, but at the same time, it won't sit there saturated in a pool of water. And that's what tends to do for African violets. I think what I'd do is knock it out of its pot and see what the state of the roots is. Then you can really see whether you've over overdone it on the watering or whether they're, if they're shriveled, then you know they've gone the other way. It is kind of oozing out of its pot a little, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so um, it, it may well have dried out and had more root than compost. Uh, and also if it's got a lot of roots around the outside of the pot, the root ball when you take it out of its pot uh, really it indicates it's probably ready for the next size on and not really the time to do it now but come spring come April time it, then it's time to get it into some good compost in a slightly bigger pot this one's probably about a three and a half inch so coming up for the the sort of 10 centimeter size and it could probably comfortably go into um, a four um, inch pot at this point so again sort of the 10 12 size now these outer yellow leaves do look a bit damaged and they're a little bit browny i was noticing on the edges as well there's an element of some of these might be just older leaves so you might be getting just a bit of turnover of new to old um so they can be just carefully pulled out and if you pull them sideways they will just come out at the base however just keeping the conditions even um, plenty of uh, not direct light but good light is useful because again in the summer they will scorch because these are plants that would naturally get a bit of shade under trees out there in the, the forest and the wilds where they come from so i think it is just about keeping it nice and even to me this is a classic sign of a nutrient deficiency um, you can see it's the older leaves that have gone yellow and the younger inner leaves appear to be beautifully green so when this happens you suspect that the plant is reallocating nutrients from the older leaves um, to the younger leaves so it, when the plants suffer from nutrient deficiency it can be that they have insufficient nutrients and they need fertilizer or repotting or it can be that the roots activity is compromised typically by overwatering. it's worth mentioning that rhs members appear to kill more plants by love than neglect and they express their love by overwatering in most cases so it's an immobile nutrient and the classical immobile nutrient is magnesium so i suspect that there may be a case of magnesium uptake going wrong here so i'm inclined to get some epsom salts sold in any good garden center and follow the instructions on those and when the plant is suitably dry not when it's wet uh, give it a supplementary feed with some magnesium salts and see how that works when the sun comes up next spring uh, repotting into a slightly bigger pot um, will help it grow and get more nutrients don't repot it till then otherwise there just isn't enough light coming in through the window for it to grow new roots and um, start scavenging the nutrients it needs but on the whole this looks like an excellent plant and any inadvertent mistreatment um, is not should not be fatal Maria Leek has um, written in to say that uh, she has a Trachylospermum jasminoides, uh, which has done really well, except the last couple of years it goes black. 
it looks horrible and it's staining the patio she's taken to jet washing it jet washing the plant Mm, that's interesting but uh, she's still oh i think she means the patio but she still cannot get all the black material off the patio a photograph has been attached uh, which lee and jenny are peering at closely um maria also mentions that she has a clay soil so when she planted it um she dug a big hole and filled it with ericaceous compost which she tops up once a year and she also feeds it occasionally it's on the southwest wall and has done really well but it's this black stuff there's nothing she just can't deal with it jenny have you got any thoughts here for maria sounds as though it's got a really bad attack doesn't it and um, it sounds as though she has an attack of scale insects and the scale insects are basically little creatures that are covered in literally a scale and they suck the sap out. They normally live on the underside of the leaf along the midrib. So if you turn the leaves over, you'll actually see those. They suck the sap out and then the excess uh, sap, which is very sugary, uh, is exuded from the insects and drops onto the lower leaves. And then you get a, a mold growing on that sugar lots of energy in the sugar so it's a secondary disease is it is called sooty mold as a lot of diseases they just explain what they look like um so to actually get rid of the the mold you really ha- you'd have to wipe off every leaf or just wait for the plant to send out some fresh foliage uh, we had a trackless berm on um on the wall here at wisley for, for many many years and uh, it would occasionally get get the sooty mold and the associated scale and it tends to grow through it so we don't do anything about it here in the gardens that's the problem in terms of how to get rid of it on the patio well i think jet washing is is probably the only thing you can do there i think in this case and um, because it's so bad i would definitely treat the scale insect and you can still get hold of systemic insecticides which will travel up through the plant and because the scale insect sucks the sap of plants it'll enter into them and it will uh, kill them and usually one treatment um, given as soon as possible this season uh, will keep them clear for the rest of the year having said that um, sometimes if they do come back they come back in force in midsummer and a treatment at that time um, is also possible but the plant is in flower at that season so it's unwise to use a systemic insecticide but use one that works by contact action uh, something that contains say fatty acids which is a posh name for soap and that will also clean up the foliage as well as kill the scale insect for people who are not familiar with trackless spermum i would say that it's an evergreen climber and with beautiful fragrant flowers and it's often called the star jasmine now the updated information on those chemical recommendations that sky's made will be on the scale insect web page uh, and often it does change in spring so when the uh, manufacturers launch their new uh, products so do check back at that time the rhs gardening advice team Members can contact the team by phone, post or email, or anyone can chat to us about your gardening issues in person, in our gardens or at our advice stands at any of the RHS flower shows. And if you aren't a member yet, why not join? You can find details of all the benefits of membership at rhs.org.uk forward slash join. And one of those perks is, of course, free entry to all four of our gardens, Hyde Hall in Essex, Rosemore in Devon, Harlow Carr in North Yorkshire and Wisley here in Surrey. Here's a selection of events happening this January. Find out how to make your own herbal remedies for everyday ailments using plants from the garden with our Medicinal Herbs Workshop at Harlow Carr. That's on the 8th of February. 
Or, if floristry floats your boat, join our Floristry Basics workshop at Hyde Hall on the 22nd of February. This is a practical workshop and it will help you develop the skills and confidence to create your very own gift bouquet. Learn the basic skills of beginner's gardening at Rosemore on the 4th of February with a seasonal look around the garden, learning what needs to be done at this time of year and how you can apply this to your own garden at home. The session will cover plant identification, pruning and seed sowing. Discover how to capture beautiful images of the tropical butterflies in the Wisley Glass House on our Butterfly Photography Morning at Wisley. That's on the 1st of February and enjoy exclusive access to the glass house before it opens to the public at 10. Booking is essential for these events and discounted places are available for RHS members. But don't forget there are lots more events at RHS Gardens, many of which are free. For details of these, see rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. That's all we have time for in this edition. Remember, you can still download our special December 2016 edition of the RHS Members podcast, which we made available to everyone, RHS members and not. It features in-depth horticultural guidance and an inspirational interview with Baroness Floella Benjamin, the newly appointed RHS Ambassador for Young People and Communities. That special programme is available to download for free from iTunes and from the RHS website. That's all for now. We'll be back in a fortnight. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden, and all the podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.